nothing better than that, folks. It's so refreshing. It's so good to sense the presence of God in a church service like this. It's just a little bit of heaven here on earth. And um, I long for that. You know, I, I hunger for that. If I don't get that, it's almost like I can't go on. N never, never take that as commonplace. Never let that become something you take lightly. I mean, always remember how important it is to experience and encounter the presence of God. Pray for it. Desire it. Listen, be desperate for what God has for you. And I promise you, He won't disappoint. He's real. <laughs> and he loves you. And He wants to be a part of everything you do. And He's so good this morning. Praise Jesus. It's already been a blessing being in the house of God. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter number 8. I'm going to be looking in just a moment at verse number 26. Acts chapter 8. We'll start there in verse number 26. I'm speaking today on the subject of the blessing of baptism. The blessing of baptism. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse number 26. We'll read through verse number 40. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all our treasure, and had come up to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, notice the Spirit directing Philip, the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran to him and heard him read from Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you read? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, excuse me, and a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Pay close attention to verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. Everybody see that? And as they were, went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believe with all your heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How many of you here this morning believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? How many believe he's the Son of God and God the Son? How many believe he came as the suffering servant the first time, but he's coming back as the line of the tribe of Judah the second time? He came as the suffering servant, but he will return as conquering king. That's my Jesus. I have to say right there, I too believe he's the son of God and God the son. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotaz, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, 
Again, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for choosing to meet with us this morning. Thank you for the awareness of your omnipotence, of your omnipresence this morning. You are all powerful. You are everywhere at all times. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us here this morning. Without you, we have nothing and we are nothing, but through you, all things are possible. We ask this uh, today, Lord, that you show us the great blessing of believer's baptism. In Jesus' name we pray and for your sake, amen. Baptism truly is a great blessing. It really is. But baptism is also one of the most mistaken ordinances that we find in the Word of God. There are two great mistakes concerning baptism. Uh, the first one being, since baptism is not salvific or baptism is not necessary for salvation, that somehow some people believe that baptism is just not that important. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Baptism is of great importance and baptism is of great blessing to the believer. But now notice what I said there. Baptism is for the believer. It's true. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. See, we don't baptize people to save them. We baptize people because they've been saved. We baptize believers, those who've placed their trust, placed their faith fully in the finished work of Jesus. And when they've come to that saving knowledge, when they've been born again into the family of God, we show everybody on the outside about the change that they've made on the inside, that God has made through his power and through his presence. And so baptism is of utmost importance to the believer. It doesn't save you. It's not necessary for salvation but baptism is certainly necessary for obedience. Not necessary for salvation, but baptism is necessary for obedience, and obedience is necessary if you're going to experience the joy of the Lord. Obedience is necessary if you're going to grow in Christ. Obedience is necessary for fruitfulness in your life as a believer. So even though baptism is not necessary for salvation, it's certainly necessary for obedience, and obedience brings growth, fruitfulness and fullness to the life of each and every child of God. Some people never experience the joy of their salvation because they've not been baptized. You need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Begin right so you can end right. Can you say amen? And that should be the first step of the believer who's trusted in Christ. Believer's Baptism, it's of utmost importance. Matter of fact, it's so important. Do you know that Jesus himself began his earthly ministry with his own baptism? The Bible says that he went and met John and was baptized. Jesus commenced his ministry with baptism. And at the end of his ministry, he commanded baptism. We should never make little of what Jesus makes much of. So, folks, we need to understand baptism is of great importance. Now, there's some people who go the other way. They put too much importance on baptism. Some people don't put enough importance. Some people put too much. Matter of fact, some people say, well, if you've not been baptized, then you can't go to heaven. Well, folks, that's not true either. See, what you need to understand is that baptism is of utmost importance to the believer and baptism is commanded in Scripture so that we might be all that God has called us and saved us to be. 
Amen? So this morning, I want us to see a biblical view of baptism. I want us to see the blessing that baptism brings to every believer, and we're going to find that right here in Acts chapter number 8. There's three things that I want to show you today in this scripture. First of all, we're going to see an opportunity that presents itself. We're going to see availability that reveals itself. And then we're going to see a possibility that becomes a reality. So let's look at number one. Number one, an opportunity that presents itself. The Bible says in Acts 8, 26, that the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. He said, Philip, you go down to Gaza, which is desert. Philip arose and went, and when he got down there, he found the Ethiopian eunuch. And God used Philip right here in this man's life in a fantastic way. Let me give you some of the best news you're going to hear all day while we get started here this morning. Do you understand and realize that God... God wants to use you? Do you know that the same star-breathing, sea-splitting, dead-raising God that we read about on the pages of Scripture wants to allow you to be a part of what He's doing and what He does? God wants to, and there's nothing, nothing more blessed for the believer than to be used of the Lord. That when you know God is working on you, working in you, and working through you by his power and presence to make a difference in other people's lives. Folks, there's nothing like that. You're talking about experiencing the joy of the Lord. That's joy at its fullest when you know God's doing the work. When you know God's working through you to Impact others for his kingdom. What a blessing that truly is. Don't miss out on being a part of what God is allowing you to do. See, in Philip's life, an opportunity presented itself for him to be used so that other lives might be changed. See, I don't think just the Ethiopian, I don't think it was just his life that was changed. He was a man of great authority. I think he went back to where he came from as a missionary, telling everybody about what Jesus did for him down in Gaza. Through that one man, I believe that many, many more people came to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Listen to me, child of God. The next person you win to Jesus could be the next Billy Graham. Do you know that? The next person you win to Jesus could be the next Lottie Moon. The next person you win to Jesus could be the next David Livingston. The next person you win to Jesus could turn the world upside down for Christ. So I want you to know, listen, there's nothing like being used to the Lord when he uses you by his power and presence to impact others for his kingdom. It's amazing. That's what happens with Philip. But now listen to me. You've got to get a little bit of background to see how this opportunity presented itself for him so that we might in turn see how opportunities present themselves for us to be used to the Lord. So let's go back in uh, Acts chapter 8 and see where Philip was before God called him to Gaza. Look down at Acts chapter 8 and verse number 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto him. So they were scattered from Jerusalem because of persecution. The devil thought he had won and tore down the church in Jerusalem, but really all he did was just started little fires all around Jerusalem. And so everywhere these people went, on fire for Jesus, they were preaching and teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People were being saved. God was doing the work that only God could do. How many of you know God is able to do exactly what he wants to do with whom he wants to do it, regardless of what the enemy plans or attacks us with? That's how good God is. That's how big God is. 
That's how powerful he is. Keep trusting him. Listen, don't worry so much about what the enemy is doing, but listen, always remember what God is able to do. Don't put your eyes on your problems. Don't put your eyes on things that are bringing you down. Keep your eyes on the one who's lifted you up. He's able. I find it so encouraging right here that they were persecuted in Jerusalem. The, the devil thought he had won there, but as he persecuted them there, they just spread everywhere, preaching the gospel to the known world at that time. What a blessing it is. Verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now watch verse 7. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, that they were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Let me tell you what I think the Bible is describing for us here. There was a revival going on down in Samaria. And God was using Philip to lead it. <laughs> Philip was preaching the word. People were being saved left and right. Miracles were taking place. People were being healed of physical ailments, the Bible tells us, of many palsies. They were being healed of spiritual ailments. Unclean spirits were being cast out by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ under which Philip preached. What an amazing thing that must have been. What an amazing time and experience that must have been for Brother Philip. But then all, right in the middle of all of that, we find that God tells him, Philip, I want you to leave Samaria and go down to Gaza. Now, I don't know about you. The Bible says Gaza was desert. It's called a desert for a reason. There's nobody there. And so in Philip's mind, he had to be thinking, at least I think I would be thinking this. Maybe he didn't. He was such a great man of faith, but I'm still growing. Can you say amen? I'm still learning to trust. So in my mind, I would have had to have been thinking, Lord, why in the world are you wanting me to go down to Gaza? Don't you see everything that's happening right here? People being saved, people are being healed, unclean spirits are being cast out. God, this is going amazing right here where I'm at. Why do you want me to go somewhere else? But God said, go. So regardless of logic, Philip walked by faith and trusted the Lord. Now if you want an opportunity to present itself for you to be used of the Lord, you've got to quit thinking so much and trusting a whole lot more. Everything that God leads us to do is not going to make logical sense to us. That ever been true for you? Everything God leads us to do is not going to be comfortable for us. I mean, Philip had to walk all the way out to Gaza from where he was in desert heat. But God said, go, so Philip went. Just because it's not logical and just because it's not comfortable does not mean it's not God's will. Many times, that's God's perfect will. When it doesn't make sense. That's why the book of Isaiah says this. The, the book of Isaiah tells us that his ways are so much higher than our ways. If you believe it, say amen. That his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And so what we must do as God's people is know beyond the shadow of any doubt that we're being led of the Lord. And I'll promise you, if you'll get serious with God, he'll get serious with you and he'll let you know that. And that's how I pray. 
God, you've got to lead God and direct me. I don't know which way is best, but I want to be in the center of your will. So, Lord, make this real to me. Father God, speak to me in such a way that I can't question this decision that I'm about to make. I want to know what your will is. And I'll promise you, you get serious with him, he'll get serious with you. And when you know God is leading, regardless of logic or comfort, follow. Follow. Because it's only then that we're going to be in the center of God's will, experience God's blessing, and be used to the Lord like only he can use us. We've got to learn to walk by faith. That's what Philip did. An opportunity presented itself for Philip, but an opportunity also presented itself for this eunuch. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8 right here. Look with me, if you will, please. Verse number 27, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. Now watch what it says. And had come for to, to Jerusalem for to worship. This man came to worship seeking religion. Now if you're ever going to find religion, you'll find it in Jerusalem. That's probably the most religious city on the face of the earth. He had been to Jerusalem. He had even worshipped. He found religion, but he's still searching. Do you see it? He had jumped through the hoops and dotted all his I's and crossed all his T's, religiously speaking. But here he is, still seeking what he knows he's missing. But the point is, He's still seeking. Now listen to me. Don't miss this. Jesus said, seek and you shall. Jesus said, ask and you shall. Jesus said, knock and ye, and the door will be what? Open unto you. This is the message. If you want to truly have relationship with God, the good news is he's not hiding from you. This man truly wanted to know the Lord. He tried religion and religion didn't give him what he needed. Now you say, brother, what do you mean religion? Well, let me give you my definition of religion. Religion is man's feeble attempt to make themselves right with God through their own self-righteous actions. That's religion. It's you trying to keep a set of do's and don'ts and make yourself right to God by what you can do. Guess what, folks? None of us are ever going to make ourselves right with God because His standard is just much too high. It's never going to happen. I remember when, I guess I was in about the seventh, eight, maybe eighth grade, me and some friends of mine used to go over to the rec center in Hamilton and play basketball. We'd been there playing in the evenings, and I seen some of these guys came in there as a lot older than us, a lot taller than us, a lot more athletic than us. And man, they'd be going down the, the court and just tearing the rim off, you know, dunking that basketball. And I always wanted to do that. That was always a goal of mine. I always wanted to be able to dunk. 
But now they, they made that movie with Woody Harrelson back in the 90s for me. That's kind of my life story. White men can't jump, and that's, that's certainly true for me. I, I can't jump that high. But I always wanted to be able to dunk that basketball. And so uh, we, we worked on it. We tried to touch the, touch the glass or touch the net or touch the rim. We tried all that stuff, but I never could get up to the standard needed to dunk the ball. But then one day, guess what happened? Somebody brought in one of those little bitty trampolines. Y'all remember those little bitty trampolines that are like four, three, four foot around, you know? And, and we set that thing out on the court. And me and my buddies would run down the court and we would jump on it from about the free throw line. And I'm talking about windmill tomahawk dunk <laughs> into the goal. But now I couldn't reach that standard by myself. I needed a little help. See, what I needed in the form of trampoline, that, that small trampoline, was grace. Some undeserved favor to get me up to the height I needed to be at, <laughs> to meet the standard of dunking the ball. Well, the same is true for you and your relationship to God. You're never going to jump high enough to meet the standard. You're never going to do good enough to meet the standard. We're all imperfect sinners standing in need of a Savior. Each and every one of us, I don't care who you are. You say, oh, but Brother Israel, I'm a whole lot better than the guy down the road. I'm a whole lot better than my neighbor. I'm a whole lot better than my friend. I know I'm not perfect. Well, guess what? God requires perfection. You'll never meet perfection. That's why you need grace. That's why God gave you grace in the person of His Son. Jesus came and did everything necessary for us to be made right with God through His finished work. Him being born perfect so that He might live perfect, so that He might die for our sins, so that He might be raised again for our justification, the Bible says. We are made right through the finished work of Christ. Stop trusting in what you can do in your religion. What you need is relationship. This Ethiopian had been to Jerusalem. He had tried religion. It just gave him what he needed. So there's a lot of people sitting in church every Sunday who's tried religion. And it's become dead and dull and boring and lifeless. And you get sick of it and you get tired of it. Listen, when you get Jesus, you ain't going to get tired of him. There's an old song that came out years ago. I wrote some of it down. I'm not going to sing it to you, but I do want to read it to you. It's by Jason Gray. He said, all religion ever made of me was a sinner with a stone tied to my feet. I love that song. Religion is this burdensome thing that you try to carry around. What God is offering is not this burden of religion, but the blessing of a right relationship with himself. Experiencing, knowing the love of Christ. Experiencing, encountering, and knowing the power of God at work in you. That song goes on to say it's more like falling in love. That's exactly what it is. This brother was after relationship. He just didn't know it. He tried religion, but let me tell you something else. Not only had he tried religion, but he had tried his resources. The Bible says he was a man of great authority. He actually had charge over the queen's treasure. That means this man had worldly treasures. This man had power. This man had prestige, this man had influence, but still he was seeking and searching. We sing a song around here, and it, and it says something like this. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise 
and treasures that fade were never enough. Isn't it true? The things the world can give can only last so long. This man had resources, this man had religion, but what he was really seeking, what we're all really seeking is relationship with the God who loves us. You may not know it yet, but that's maybe why you're here this morning. Maybe that's why God's got you here right now, to let you know he loves you. And if you're seeking what you know you're missing, it's found in Christ. So he's sitting there reading the prophet Isaiah. An opportunity presents itself, but then availability reveals itself. Watch. And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Verse 30, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Understand what you're reading. And, and so the Bible says when the Spirit said go, Philip didn't waste no time. He ran. He became available on the spot. Amen? And you know that's what God wants from us as his people. Availability. You've heard it over and over again. It's still true. God is not about not worried about your ability, but your availability. You willing to be used. You laying down yourself and living your life for him. You see, child of God, you ought to give your life fully to Jesus. Because he can do more with it than you can. He really can. You know what I love about the Lord? He never asks us what we can't do. Do you remember when Moses was leading the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land? God called him at the burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go down and lead my people out. Moses said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't talk good. And I'm going to have to go talk to the most powerful man in the world at the time, the Pharaoh in Egypt. Lord, I can't do that. And it's almost like God saying, well, I'm not asking what you can't do. He says to Moses, he says, Moses, what's that in your hand? And he said, well, Lord, it's a rod. It's just a stick. Just a walking stick he had picked up somewhere along the trail. <laughs> Might have helped him herd his sheep. Just a staff. He said, it's, a, it's, it's just my staff. And the Lord said, that's enough. Just take the staff with you. I'm going to use that staff to make you a God, little g, before Pharaoh. So what he's saying is, I'm not asking about what you don't have, Moses. I'm not asking about what you can't do. I'm asking about what you got. Make it available. So let me ask you something, child of God. What do you got? What do you got? Make it available to the Lord. And we got all kind of things you could be doing right here in this church if you'll make yourself available. I'm putting up a sign-up sheet this evening for Usher Greeter Ministry. If you'd like to be a part, guys, of Usher Greeter Ministry, we need, we need young men 13 years of age and older that would be a part of the Usher Greeter Ministry. If you'd like to sign up for that, please make yourself available. The sign-up sheet will be in the foyer. Let me tell you something else. We've got kids running everywhere around here. How many of y'all like that? Praise God. Me too. That's a good thing. But let me tell you, with that great blessing comes great responsibility. And it's our responsibility to teach these children and, the, and to nurture them in the admonition of the Lord, the Bible says. To bring them up in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord. So that when they come here, they're actually receiving what God wants them to receive. 
So guess what we've got? We've got children's church. We've got nursery that enables us to do just that. Let me ask you something, ladies. Would you make yourself available to be used in children's church in the nursery ministry? We need you. We need you. We need some faithful people. I'm not talking about people who do it one Sunday and quit the next. I'm not talking about people who say, Lord, I'm available. If it's what you want me to do, that's what I want to do. I'm going to be used. I'm not talking about people who when the tough, the tough uh, uh, when it gets tough, the tough get going. I'm talking about they leave out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are committed to serving Jesus by serving people. Make yourself available. I'm not asking what you don't have. God's not asking what you don't have. What do you got? Amen? Availability. Availability reveals itself right here with Philip. It ought to be true in our lives too. And so he begins preaching to him. Philip ran the eunuch red. Watch. Look at this. Acts chapter 8. Verse number 31. How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was he, had led, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a damn lamb uh, dumb before her, his shearer. So he opened out his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this or of himself and the other man or, the, or some other man. Verse 35 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture, watch now, and preached unto him Jesus. It's, it's so powerful Verse 35, not just because of what Philip preached, but what he didn't preach. So, so let's talk a little bit about what he didn't preach. When Philip came up and saw this man reading the prophet Isaiah, and folks, that's not coincidence. That's God working and this man seeking. And so he gets up there, they read the scripture, he asks Philip, who's this man talking about himself or someone else? And the Bible says Philip began right there and preached unto him Jesus. Now, he didn't preach to him economics. He didn't preach to him social reform. He didn't preach to him about a political platform. He didn't preach to him about denominations either. Amen. I met a dear brother just last week, man. Just oh, loved him. So thankful for him. Great guy. Strong believer. Loves the Lord. We got talking about the things of God and what God had done in our lives. He's telling me about his church, and I was telling him about my church, how thankful I was and what God was doing. He said, well, what denomination are you? And I told him. I said, well, I'm Southern Baptist. He said, well, I ain't mad at you. He said, I'm non-denominational, but I ain't mad. I said, brother, I ain't mad at you either. See, I'm much more concerned about the name written on the heart than the name written on the door. I know what I believe and why I believe it. But I want to tell you something. I'm not going to preach denominations. I'm not going to preach economics. I'm not going to preach a, preach a political platform. I, I'm not going to do any of that. Because what the world needs, what I need, what you need, what we need, what this eunuch needed was Jesus. And Philip preached unto him Jesus. Keep preaching Jesus, folks. People get Jesus, all the other stuff get fixed. That's the answer. I'm telling you. Then we need to see... Not only that an opportunity presents itself and availability reveals itself, but also this last part, a possibility becomes a reality. Watch. 
And Philip said, if thou believest, or excuse me, verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water, what doeth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if, thou believe with all, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into, everybody say into. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they were come up out of, everybody say out of. They were come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let me give you just three quick things here about this possibility that became a reality. The, the eunuch came to a watering hole, and he saw there's a good bit of water there, enough to be baptized, and said, what's going to hinder me if we've got water here to be baptized? Philip said, well, the first, first thing's first. Let's not get the cart before the horse. You've got to believe. You've got to believe on Jesus. See, what Philip is um, uh, proclaiming and what... Philip is now proceeding to do is believer's baptism. Amen? They said, if you believe, he said, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They stopped the chariot. And they went down into the water. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is the method, the biblical method of baptism. The word here, baptized, in verse 36, is the Greek word baptizo. It actually means to immerse. There's a reason why we immerse in our baptismal service. The reason being, first and foremost, that's what Jesus did. He's our supreme example. If you go to Mark chapter 1 and verse number 9, you're going to find that Jesus went to where John was because there was enough water there to be baptized. See, you need enough water so that you can be immersed for biblical baptism. Are you hearing me? It's very, very important. Very important. Now, the meaning is found in the method. The method is immersion because it's showing us really what baptism is all about, what it symbolizes. So what is the meaning of baptism? The meaning of baptism is nothing less and nothing more that we are dying to the old man and being raised again to walk in the newness of life. Go to Romans chapter 6 with me. Fast forward over there just a moment. Let's look at Romans chapter 6 at three or four verses. Watch what this says. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin. Everybody say dead to sin. Live any longer therein. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. When we're putting uh, these uh, candidates for baptism that's trusted in Christ, when they're being baptized this evening, what we're saying is we're burying the old man in a watery grave. And now you're being raised up to walk in the spirit of, of, of newness, in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let's go on. Look down at uh, verse number four. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you also should walk in the newness of life. Somebody say amen. The method speaks to the meaning, but you've also got to have the right motive. What is our motive? Do you know that Jesus identified with us when he was baptized? Do you know that we identify with Jesus when we are baptized? Our motive is to identify ourselves with the finished work of Christ. And we're saying to everybody else, I've trusted in Jesus and his work is enough. 
What a testimony. Baptism is a testimony to the goodness of God, to the grace of God. It is truly important. Now you say, well, Brother Israel, if baptism is a symbol, and it is, then it's just a picture of what Christ has done. Any old picture will do. I mean, we can do baptism anyway. I disagree. I disagree. I, I don't believe in sprinkling because that's not what the Bible says. That's not biblical baptism. See, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus was baptized with Jordan. Jesus was baptized in Jordan. If they want to do some sprinkling, they could have got five gallons of water and baptized everybody in Jerusalem. That ain't what the Bible says. They went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and came up out of the water, Philip and the eunuch. The method speaks to the meaning, which makes all the difference. Well, if it's just a picture, Brother Ezra, what does it really matter? Well, let's just say that you and your buddies were out having a good time, just joking and cutting up. And one of your friends hadn't seen a picture of your wife. And let's just say you pulled out of your wallet a picture of your dog and handed it to them. And they said, well, brother, I just don't believe that's your wife. And you said, well, any old picture will do. Will it? Well, not if I want them to know my wife. Not if I want them to know really what I'm talking about. The same is true with baptism. Any old picture won't do. We do it biblically for a reason. So special. So powerful. The possibility of baptism became a reality because this man believed on Christ. And Philip said, stop the chariot. Let's take care of business. We're going to take care of some business this afternoon in just a little while. I can't wait to do that. God is so good, isn't he? Now this is your invitation this morning. First and foremost, if you made the decision to follow Christ, if not, what are you waiting on? Oh my goodness. I can promise you this today. Anybody here who needs Jesus, you come trust in Him today, nobody's going to be mad at you. Nobody's going to look at you funny. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. I don't care how many church rolls your name's on. Nobody's going to look at you funny. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to love you. We're going to rejoice with you. We're going to welcome you into the family of God because the Bible says in heaven there is rejoicing that takes place over one sinner that repents. They're not just going to rejoice in heaven. We're going to rejoice right here with you if you'll trust in Christ today. We're going to love you as brothers and sisters. So if you need Jesus, why don't you come? What are you waiting on? Today is a day of salvation. Quit playing games with your eternity. Quit missing out on this life. You can freely have in Christ. Come today. If there's any question in your mind whether or not you've truly been born again, come today. Let's nail it down. Let me show you in the Word of God what it truly means to be saved. The same Jesus that saved me can and will save you. Seek Him. You'll find He's not hiding. If you are saved, let me ask you this. Are you available? Quit playing games, man. You know what I've come to find out? A lot of times, a lot of times what we do is treat serving God like a hobby. 
if we've got time to do it, if it's convenient for us to do it, if it don't interfere with anything else we really want to do, then we'll do it. Folks, is that the service the Son of God and God the Son deserves? The one who laid down his life for you and me? The one who filled that fountain of love that we sang about a moment ago for us? Is that what he deserves? I'm not good with that. He's given his life for me. He tasted my death for me so that I might have eternal life. The only right response to that is for me to give myself fully to him. The Apostle Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brothers, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, 1. Paul said it just makes sense. If the Son of God and God the Son gave his life for you, you ought to live your life for him. It's just reasonable. Are you available? Do you need to be baptized? A lot of people have been saved and it's never been baptized. We can handle that today. We already got the water ran. Whatever you need. This invitation is yours. Don't wait. Maybe you'll come pray for a lost loved one. Maybe you'll come pray for your church. The altar is a great place to get along with the Lord. If you need him in any way, you come. Don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit today. Don't quench the Holy Spirit today. Don't, don't be dismissive of, of what he's leading you to do. If you need the Lord, this is your invitation. Brother, sing for us. Everybody stand, please. Yes, Lord. 